Happy Friday, everyone. What is it? It's July 30th? Damn it. This month has gone by. Hi, I'm Carter. You're watching GoFeffy Break on Unsafe Space. And I'm joined by the lovely Carrie Smith. Hey, Carrie. Hello, Carter. Welcome to um, Cafe Break. If it's your first time here, this is a live show we do on Mondays and Fridays. And Fridays, we've been doing casual Fridays where we hang out with people and have interesting conversations with friends. <laughs> interesting conversations with interesting people. Don't forget to microaggress against the subscribe button to really piss Susan off. Um, go ahead and do that. And um, also, if you want to support the show, you can go to unsafespace.com. You can uh, donate there. You can be a subscriber, which we don't talk about much, but you do get mugs or stickers or whatever, depending on your subscriber level. You get your name and the credits, all that stuff. So uh, if you want to support what we're doing, please please go do that. Um, and if you don't, just hit the subscribe button and share the content around, and that's good enough. So um, let's introduce our guest. Oh, wait, book club. We have book club yeah, coming well, up we on have August two 15th. Things. More immediate than that, this Sunday, oh. we're premiering our first live, this is the Unsafe Space Problematic Film Club. And we're going to be watching films. You know those kind of movies lately where everybody's like, oh, that movie would never be made today. We're going to be watching those films. And so this Sunday, if you want to join us, um, we'll, be, uh, we'll be joined by a panel of guests that you may be familiar with who are going to, we're going to be discussing the movie The Party with Peter Sellers. And so that'll be this Sunday live at 1 p.m. Texas time. And the movie is The Party with Peter Sellers. So you should watch it before then if you don't want us to spoil everything for you. And our guests this Sunday for the very first episode are going to be Jared Bauer from Wisecrack and Thug Notes, who we did an interview with, um, Cameron Pasha, the screenwriter who we've had on before, and Chrissy Mayer, the comedian. And there might be one other. I might be there might be a fifth secret guest who's joining. So I'll let everybody know. Wow. But that'll be our first problematic film club. I think we'll just see how this goes. We were thinking of maybe doing it every couple of weeks, maybe once a month, like book club, or maybe twice a month. We'll see. It's not as much commitment to watch movies, so we can do it more often. You yeah. you do your thing. Cool. Let me know when you watch Tropic Thunder. I might show. You. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Yes. Uh, okay. I want to do. For, can I real quick? Yeah. Go ahead. Oh no, we should bring these guests on before I say this because I bet. Well, I, I also want to just mention book club. Yeah. So, uh, uh, book club August fifteenth, Anarchist Handbook, compiled by Michael Malice. After that, it's Neuromancer by William Gibson. If you want to get a start on that one, that's the fiction selection. Okay. Oh, and we have a retreat coming up in August. A few. I think I saw a few people buying some more stuff. So. Um, I actually don't know what the inventory is right now because I haven't looked. There's probably day passes available, but uh, I'm not sure even if there's rooms available. But you can look on the website, and it will tell you. Um, Unsafespace.com backslash retreat. Yeah. Uh, all right. Should we introduce our guests, or did yes. you want to say something else? Okay. Go ahead. Today First we're one. joined. Today we're joined by international man of mystery, velvet-voiced... <laughs> Pop culture fa fan, Mystery Chris. <laughs> hello, hello. <laughs> hello. <laughs> With the voice. <laughs> uh, should I mention, I'm going to mention this, but I won't say it in the rude way I said it earlier. In real life, Chris is uh, a very colorful, snazzy dresser, looks really good and fashionable and cool. So just imagine that when you look at his avatar. Carter finally got to meet <laughs> Mystery Chris in real life, and he was like, wow, 
and the rest of us are sort of saying, yeah, of course, he's not using, <laughs> you're not using, you're not using a, a anonymous image of yourself because you're ugly. It's because you're a privacy. Ever since the accident. Uh, <laughs> yeah, that's what I was like. Yeah, I don't know. You know, were you burned by acid or something? Uh, yeah. No one must know. <laughs> and we're also joined by Alex Maselli. Alex. Hey, thank uh, you for having me. Alex of joining. All Trades. Alex is part of our Unsafe Space Book Club, which you guys may she recognize is. her from, and also the host of her own channel, which is called Alex of All Trades, yep. and yes. was recently permanently banned on Twitter. So yes. if you would like to check out Alex, Alex, tell them where everybody can find you. So I have my own Discord, which you can find from my channel, which my channel is Alex of All Trades, no spaces. There is another Alex Ball Trades with Spaces, so watch out for that. If you don't see my goofy face, it's not me. Uh, you can find me on Mines, on uh, Getter, on uh, MeWe, uh, and Facebook as either Alex Maselli or Alex Ball Trades. All the, and Maselli spelled M-I-C-E-L-I. <laughs> All right. Thank cool. You, and you'll see a, there's a pilot of a show she's going to do on Unsafe Space, which I don't know when will come out, so I'll just throw it out there. Keep an eye out for it when it when it comes out. So, is there any other announcements or anything, Carrie? Are we good? Do we have anything else we have to? No. Here's what I was going to say. say. Okay. At some point for Film Club, since I I have a say, a, a bit of a say in what movies we watch, I would like to cast a vote. I, I thought you that... were the dictator. <laughs> <I'm not. laughs> I would I would like to watch uh, Three Amigos. Have you seen that recently, you guys? I've seen no. It. It's been a while though. <laughs> I watched it again recently, and there's one part where they're fighting the bad guy. His name is El Guapo. <laughs> and they say, everybody in life has an El Guapo that they have to fight. Ours just happens to be the real El Guapo. <laughs> 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 I don't know why. It's like the funniest. And Carter's not amused. It's a very funny movie. <laughs> it, you probably had to be there. <laughs> well, it's funny how uh, Carter, I think right before we went live, mentioned uh, Tropic Thunder. And I was thinking, like, Tropic Thunder, Galaxy Quest, and Three Amigos essentially have, like, the same plot, where it's a bunch of actors who get confused as, like, the real deal and have to fight the actual bad guy. Okay. They're all great, by the way. I'm not, you know, saying Yeah, I've seen Galaxy Quest. I haven't seen Three Amigos. I prefer Tropic Thunder to Galaxy Quest. Even though I'm a science Hmm. fiction fan, it's okay, but it's a little bit too cheesy for me. And Tropic Thunder's a little bit... I don't know. I like the humor in Tropical well, better. Galaxy Quest was originally rated R, but they cut it down to a PG-13, so could have been more like Tropic Thunder. The scene Maybe. where she says, screw that, with the chompy, crushy things, you if you watch it, she, you Uh-oh, can sorry. see she does not that say, mine? screw that. Uh, guys, I think you guys cut out. Oh, we can still hear you, Chris. Yeah, everything's fine from our end, other than that you're mumbling to yourself. But like she said, you if you watch it and you don't pay attention to the audio, you can tell she actually says "fuck that" instead of oh, really? "screw that." Yeah, she does. Oh. Like if you read so her, they just list. voiced over. Yes, yeah. that's right. Yeah. <laughs> Fair enough. But for three amigos, it's the same kind of thing. So I might like it, is what you're saying. All right, I'll check it out. Um. Yeah. What other band movies? What other like? Problematic movies are you going to watch, Carrie? Oh, Carrie's gone. All right. (laughs) Screw that. Let's do some Super Chats quickly before we continue, um, because then I'm going to ask you guys about some news stuff. But let's find 
The first one, we got a super sticker from Crazy Cat Guy just saying, good job, so thank you. Then Francis Montgomery says, "What? It, why is the legacy media now denying the defund the police and critical race narratives after the legacy media spent the last two years relentlessly pushing both narratives? I actually don't know what Francis Montgomery is talking about. Do you guys know? Have Have you seen the mainstream media denying the narratives? Denying the narratives that it marxist <laughs> is that what they mean I, or i think they I mean I, like that it does it doesn't exist but the problem is is that they were pushing those kinds of messages beforehand that's the thing though is that it's like you can be doing something and then say that you're whatever the word is the term you can say you're not doing it and somehow get away with it that's gaslighting but it, that that is what they're doing right now we're yeah, maybe that's X. what he's talking about. Because yeah. I don't, that's all I see is a little bit of gaslighting. Like, oh, we didn't. It's not critical race theory. <laughs> it's because you're calling them out on it and they're gaslighting. Okay. Um, and the last super chat is from G Man, who says, We need a t shirt that just says banned on the front and on the back, sponsored by Twitter, Facebook, YouTube, PayPal, etc. That's not a bad design, G Man. <laughs> that's, that's not a bad shirt idea. Carrie, are you back with us? Can you hear? Are you all good? Yeah, sorry. Sorry about that. Um, I just heard your answer to the last super chat, and it made me think about something. I, I wanted to see what you guys thought. I I'm trying to figure out how to explain. I, I haven't gotten to a place where I can properly articulate what's in my head, what I'm trying to say. So let me try this with you guys. <laughs> I've tried it once before. There's there's something that they do that um, we know we know how they they use words as magic words to manipulate and to control and to end conversation, not just not to derail basically. So they don't use them as tools for communication. They use them to stop communication, stop debate. So for example, if you're talking to someone who's in the social justice cult, they'll say things like that's your white privilege. That's your toxic masculinity. That's your talk. They'll just say these things that are meant to end conversation. We know that, but there's something else they do. And I'm trying to figure out how to explain it. They almost, they inoculate people against what it is that they're doing. They inoculate them against hearing about it and being able to hear it and consider it. So, for example, um, uh, fake news, propaganda, right? Here's a good example. I saw a former, an old friend of mine, let's say old friend of mine, who I hadn't looked at her social media profile in a while. And I looked at it recently and she it's funny. I went, I, I left social justice and she went further into it. And so she's, I didn't realize how much further. And I looked at her feed re, this, you know, the past few days and it's, she's really in it. And one of the things that she's tweeting a lot about is propaganda while she's pushing propaganda from the view and CNN and other places it mixed in between that. She's saying stuff about how dangerous propaganda is and how people don't even realize when they've bought into it. And I'm thinking, yes, that's exactly what's happening to you, but she can't see that. And I, and, and so I was thinking about how they inoculate people against like, like if I were to go to her and say propaganda is a problem and, and giving your trust to sources like the corporate media and political parties and, and, you know, certain political figures is maybe not a good idea giving them your, your, your trust. They might be feeding you propaganda. She would say, 
I know she would say, oh, no, that's you guys. You guys are feeding into propaganda because she's already been inoculated. She's been told about propaganda. She's been told about fake news, but she's been told a certain story about it. So when you say those things, she can't hear it. Do you know what I mean? Am I explaining this well? I think you are. And it's reminding me. I don't remember all of Sololinsky's rules, but it's reminding me of one of his strategies, which I'm going to paraphrase, I think. Uh, Correct me in chat if I'm wrong about where this the origin of this, but I think it's this, it's the idea where, um, you, you anticipate what the other side will say about you and to undermine it, you start saying it about them first so that when they come in later, um, they can't, they seem like they're the me too person, not the sexual harassment me too, but like, they're the ones, they're the also me, like, oh, we're, it, they look like they're just copying you. Like yes. when, when they say, oh, propaganda, it's like, oh, well, we've been known, we knew about propaganda a while ago, right? Because our leaders told us about propaganda. Um, so I think the, uh, and I think Saul Alinsky specifically talks about kind of seeing what's going to happen, like knowing what the response, like we're going to release a campaign, right? The campaign's going to be to do blob, like force everyone, they tell everyone they have to wear masks. We know how they're going to respond. So what we do is, we first undermine that response yes. um, by saying, like, let's say, if, let's say we think they're going to respond by saying that's authoritarian. We undermine the response by saying authoritarianism is when you, like, yes. don't care and you wear a mask, you don't wear a mask and that's authoritarianism or whatever. We, like, make some lie about what authoritarianism is. And then we push our mask mandate. The right responds and says, oh, that's authoritarianism. And all the lefties have been inoculated. That word's been ruined for them. I wouldn't even say inoculated. It's been poisoned. They've poisoned the well, right? So that word's been ruined. They don't understand what it means anymore. And they they argue. So I, yeah, I just really quickly, and I'll let other people, I don't want to monopolize this, but yes, I was thinking about this and and it's exactly like you said, Saul Alinsky's tactic. It's um, Jimmy Dore did a video a, a while back now, but where he was talking about some of the WikiLeaks emails during the 2016 campaign where Clinton's staff was saying um, in these internal emails, what's our biggest weakness? And they, in the emails, they said it might, it's our deal. It's Clinton's dealings with the Ukraine. And they said, okay, basically they put that on Trump. Then they're like, okay, right. well, let's say he's got shady business dealings with Russia so that when it comes out, it right. seems like you're just saying, oh, you're just doing copycat. Right. They take Copycat's that thing the better they, word than me. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. And I've been noticing that with all kinds of things, whether it's making comparisons to, like you said, authoritarianism or fascism or using the phrase, the big lie. Right. Things like that. They give it to their people. They, it's almost like they're, they reveal what they're doing, they but project. they're putting it on, they project it on. Yeah. Some, it's on projection. But, yeah. but they know that it's, I, I think it's more than projection. Cause I think the people that are doing it, know what their technique is. So therefore they know what the counter argument will be because they know what they're doing is dishonest. We're doing a big lie. So as soon as we do this, our critics are gonna say it's a big lie. So what word do we have to poison? The word big lie. Let's poison that word first, then we'll do our big lie, right? So that when the, the criticism comes in, it's it doesn't work. I've noticed with all the uh, social justice stuff is it's really forced me and a lot of other people to really know our definitions because there's a lot of words that maybe before I hadn't really thought too much about definition. I had just a loose understanding of it and I would use those words without actually looking up the definitions. But 
I'm really forced to actually have to look up these definitions to make sure that I'm using it right because they're very good at putting in new, you know, slightly different variations of a certain definition and kind of confusing you almost to the point you're like, well, I guess that could be it. But and so you really have to know your right. stuff, you know. And if you do I, I, react, you could react ahead. like kind of. Um, viscerally to this because you're being lied to. And if you're aware of the fact that you're being lied to, that you're, that they're trying to manipulate you and you get angry about it, then they're going to say, Oh, look at you. You're emotionally unstable. This is how we know. But that's the problem though, is that it's an abuse technique to gaslight someone like that, to manipulate them. And eventually a person will snap and get upset because someone is screwing with their brain and it's uncomfortable and they just want it to stop. And the thing is, though, is that that is not a sign of emotional instability. That's a natural reaction to being manipulated and knowing you're being manipulated and, and someone's lying to you about the reality of your world. That's natural. Anyone would react that way, stable or unstable. That's just normal. Right. But they want to, uh, as long as they categorize it as problematic beforehand, then they've, all of their supporters are like, oh, well. Yeah, she did that thing. It's like only so I'm about to smack Carrie in the face. Only people who only people who don't like when only crazy people react negatively to slapping them in the face. Watch, and then I slap Carrie in the face, and she's like, "Hey!" And it's like, "See, she's crazy." Like I, I told you, <laughs> yeah. like it's like, well, wait a minute. The first thing I said was not true, but if I convince you of it, then. I can predict her reaction because her reaction is appropriate to be angry at me if I initiate force against her. And like, so I, and I know she's going to, she should be angry at me, but I've already undermined that so that you don't see it as a normal reaction. You see it as like, oh, he predicted she would do that. He must really get it. Yeah. Right. Um, yeah. I just, I want to, I want to keep thinking about this and figuring out how to explain it because I haven't really gotten it down yet i've been but thank you this thank you that was close for, yeah no it's i a, think it's I a think weird thing it's it's a it's a weird thing and it's uh, i don't know if there's a word for it it's it's like you said it's it's sort of like projection but they're co they're cognizant of what they're doing they're aware they know that this is going to be a good criticism of our tactic so let's inoculate people against that criticism first you someone know? in chat right. said use the words preemptive attack yeah, which I think is a pretty good way of describing that. Like, is it? Uh, yeah, although I think, what is the poisoning the well fallacy in logic? I don't remember the exact. I think there is it called poisoning the well when you do that. It might be, or there might be that might mean something else. I don't remember. Um, but I yeah, it is a preemptive. Right. Is a preemptive attack. You're you're making me think of something else, which I just want to. I don't tweet often. <laughs> But I want to I want to walk through something because because Chris said something about definitions, and um, I think this is obvious to everyone, but maybe not. And the fact that people on the left do this maybe is, is warrants discussion. So I just want to. So I I tweeted something out about uh, someone on TikTok was doing something. Can crazy you make thing, that bigger? I, oh yeah, thank you. Thank you. I said, this is how the modern left sees much of language in general. It's merely a tool to get what they want rather than reference to an objective reality. Words are part of magic spells used to manipulate others. So this is my comment, right? And this guy commented, and I, I, I wouldn't have brought this up, although I think it's relevant to this discussion. 
he first of all he quotes me and he says language is not a tool it refers to objective reality now it's important to recognize what's happening that's a misquote i said language was not merely a tool which means it is a tool but that's not all it is so he's now quoting and saying i said it wasn't a tool not true but then then he uses this example which i think is fascinating i'm just going to read these are two people talking Graham, could you define chair for me in a way that includes all things which are chairs and excludes all things which aren't? And Graham says, a separate seat for one person, typically with a back and four legs. Happy to help, but try Google next time. The definition of woman is there too. Okay, this is some part of some conversation. And then someone replies with a picture of a horse and says chair, because it meets his definition, right? He says, a separate seat for one person, typically with a back and four legs. So they show a, they show a horse, right? And this guy, this is his response, as if this is a good argument. And I want to point something out. This interaction is only absurd or funny because chair has a real definition. If chair wasn't a referent to an objective reality, we wouldn't look at a horse and go, ha, that's absurd and funny, because we all know that's not a chair. We would look at the horse and go, oh, perhaps that's also a chair. And this whole thing wouldn't look absurd. So this guy's sharing this thing and showing the absurdity of claiming that objectives have are, are that words are referenced to objective reality by playing on your actual objective reality reference. Like he's saying, oh, you think this is funny and absurd precisely because they are referenced to objective reality. That's why you think this is funny. And I just want to I point out that actually definitions are quite hard. So when this person says, a separate seat for one person, typically with a back and four legs. You would think that defining a chair is easy, but actually that's not a good definition for a chair. And it's why it can get exploited by throwing up a horse and being like, oh, so you mean this. Um, and so I'm not, we don't have to, you know, get into real detail about definitions or anything anymore uh, too much. But I do think it's important to, when we're talking about important concepts, definitions are super, super important. And the general format for a good definition is a broad genus and then a specific species. So it's like a chair is a member of this category of things with these specific properties that separate it from other members of that category of things. And that's how you end up with not getting a horse as a definition for a chair, right? A chair is a member of the category furniture, but it's differentiated from other furniture by these properties that make it different from other furniture. And like, and and of course, then that begs the question, what's the definition of furniture? And obviously you have to do that with all of your definitions, yeah. but um, it's super important. I really like what Chris just said, and I just wanted to underline it because I think it's super, super important to care and be and pay attention to your definitions and recognize when a lot of us sometimes use words and we don't actually can't really define them if asked. And uh, I think it's it's an important thing to, to focus on. Yeah. So, that's all. That's a common characteristic, I think, of these uh, very censorious, you know, uh, totalitarian societies. So I think words start to lose meaning because they are being more frequently employed merely, as you said, merely as tools for manipulation and control. And so they will, the mean, they don't have people, the people who are abusing words are not going to keep the word. They're not going to have them be consistent because they're going to change the definition depending on what they're trying to get out of you. And so right. I've seen that across the board. We're at a place now where 
I, it wasn't like this 20 years ago. It wasn't this bad. You didn't have to, like, generally, if you said liberal, people agreed on what that meant. Or if you said conservative, or if you said um, gender, <laughs> or woman. Uh, we knew now what that word I, meant. Recently. Yes. Very recently. Re very recently. Mother, father. Now we're at a place where it's it's sort of, they're they're requiring us to, and again, all of this is, I think, because they want to make communication difficult. They want to make actual conversations yeah. difficult. Well, because they, they, they do want to use words to manipulate you. And what they don't want words for is reference to objective reality, because what they're doing in reality is horrid. And if yes. you're allowed to name it, they won't get away with it. So they need them to be only, uh, only manipulation tools disconnected from reality. And by the way, just, just for fun, if someone starts making arguments that words don't mean anything, that they don't refer to objective reality, the only really fun and proper response, I think, is thanks for agreeing with me. Yeah. <laughs> like, you don't have to – there's no point in arguing at that point. Just thank them for their agreement and move on because uh, there's no conversation to be had if that's someone's legitimate – if they legitimately think words have no meaning. There's right. no conversation. Yeah. I, I think it's hilarious because, like, if you read some understanding of, like, postmodernist philosophy, you can see where they're getting it from, like the language games. But yep. really, language games um, as a means of getting power because you think that's how people got power in the first place, which is silly. Um, right. <laughs> <laughs> is, they, they talked real well. That's yeah, how they got that's power. how they... <laughs> That's how everyone came to power. Genghis Khan included. Yeah, that makes so much sense. Okay, sure. But, <laughs> like, they, it is absolutely 100% a way of, of disguising ill intent. And, uh, and the problem is, is that it's like, it could be fun to play some language games, to play semantics, semantics, like, without any kind of real world intention with it. Like, I taught... Uh, the difference between connotation and denotation when I taught at a university and I, and I enjoyed it. It was fun, but I didn't expect anyone to go out into the real world and just start using this kind of play to, you know, disrupt our very understanding of how the world works and how we can communicate with each other. Like I'm a writer. I want to play with words, but not like this. This isn't how yeah. I want to play with yeah. words. Well, and Not playing with words where there's like some ambiguity actually in the language itself and where like there's different like emotions that the words can evoke and like that all that is all fine. But playing with the word woman is a different thing, like seriously out in the world. Like, I'm not sure what that means. Like, that's a completely different game. So and can I dangerous. can I tell you an anecdote that I heard last night from a friend who is a nurse about the destruction of language, about real world consequences we've talked about this before when it comes to the medical establishment and Carter knows I used to have a friend who no medical background whatsoever worked at Harvard medical school in some LGBTQ position, bureaucratic position and whose job it was with an activist background an ideological academic background, whose job it was to indoctrinate Harvard medical students to believe that biological sex isn't real and that being obese is not unhealthy. And they also flew her around the country. She had this job for six years. They flew around the country and she did the same and indoctrinated medical students all across the U.S. So this has been happening in, in hospitals now where the, is this, this destruction of language and, and 
you know, indoctrination with lies, with things that are just not factual, but maybe things they want to be true, you know, based on ideology. So uh, one of her successes that she celebrated online was when they got a hospital to stop designating male and female on in hospital bracelets. So they would have your blood type and everything. And they, and they celebrate, she celebrated that they got rid of male and female on the bracelets and without, again, with no consideration for any real world repercussions. And we've read of stories about such repercussions. There's one story we covered before with biological woman presenting as a male transgender showed up at a hospital, didn't tell them she was a woman, biological woman, checked in as a man, uh, abdominal pains. And it ended up that she was pregnant and they didn't check for that. And the ba the baby died because they didn't, they didn't know to check for that fast enough because the, the systems broke down because this person is saying I'm a man. And <laughs> so anyway, last night, th this is all leading up to last night. I talked to this nurse who was telling me that, yeah, it's getting a little hard with, at the hospital because, you know, with all the, the language and stuff, you, you can't offend anyone um, with all the different genders now. And she said, for example, the other day I had to call out into the waiting room. It was a man's name. It was like Charles Brown, right? Charles Brown. And this woman, someone who looked like a woman said, oh, me here. And she, and she was like, uh, so I said to her, are you, are you Charles? And the woman's like, yes, yeah, yeah, yeah. And so she called the woman into the room and starts going over his Charles chart and talking about everything, thinking this is Charles and just looks like a woman. And turns out it was Charles's wife, but who just said, yeah, yeah, it was a misunderstanding because she thought she wanted info on Charles. And but because of this whole fear of offense, the nurse thought she was talking to the patient when she was talking to the patient's wife for a long amount of time, it's sort of like how many of these mistakes are happening because someone, and she said, but you know, you can't, you can't offend. You don't want to get in trouble for offending. So I, I couldn't say, uh, I, you know, are you, are you, but you look like a woman or like, <laughs> you can't say that right. factual things, right? You can't say this because of fear of offense. And, and so we're sort of making like this destruction of language and everything. It has these, I think it has these real world consequences where, somebody's health, somebody's uh, medical status is less important now than fear of offense for getting the words wrong, you know? Yeah, yeah. And the visa's got the, like, put whatever name you want on your credit card thing now, um, which is like, oh, okay. <laughs> oh, like. yeah. <laughs> like... <laughs> I, I, didn't, uh, I didn't take that debt out. That was Helicopter McPhee. <laughs> Not me, like or whatever. Like <laughs> says like Mark Zuckerberg. I talked about uh, Netflix did this thing with the the Babysitters Club. I think they adapted, and they had all these promos and with the transgender child and everything, and they have to take her to the hospital. And the, the nurses and doctors keep misgendering her and saying him because biologically male. And and they're and the babysitter's like, no, you're being so mean to her by, by doing that. And they're trying to give uh, her like blue scrubs. And I'm like, 
since when do they do that at a hospital? I've never seen that at a hospital. But anyway, <laughs> that was my first thought, though, was what if the child has testicular torsion? <laughs> yeah, yeah. Right, right. <laughs> that was my first thought. And I was like, this isn't helping the doctors and the nurses do their jobs like at all. Like, in, And I've heard trans people talk about this, how you need to be upfront with your uh, position as a trans person when you go for medical care, because it is a very specific, narrow demographic that needs specialized care. So if you aren't doing that, then you're, you're setting yourself up for extreme damage possibly. And why would you put, why would you do that for validation? That's not a good reason to get validated. That's self-destruction. Yeah, I yeah, I agree. <laughs> so so let's 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 um let me do a couple super chats and then we'll And then I have something I want to ask these two guests about in okay. particular. These two in particular. Yes. All right. Uh well, hold on. I got logged out by mistake on my super chat thing. I'll read one. Fine City Cycling. Thank you, sir or ma'am. Says <laughs> Michael Malice argues that those who speak multiple languages aren't as susceptible to these language games. Thoughts? Well, that's very interesting. I, well, I, I could, do like to defer to Michael Malice generally, <laughs> <laughs> but I don't think that's maybe they're not as susceptible. But certainly, there are people who speak multiple languages that play these games and are susceptible to these games. So I don't, I don't know. What do you guys think? Is that a likely thing? If you're if you speak multiple languages, you're less susceptible to this. I only speak one language. <laughs> maybe maybe Leon. if it's true, I don't, I have no idea if it's true or not. But if it's true, it might be because you've become accustomed to having to learn how to make yourself understood in several different languages, and so being very specific with words, you're accustomed well, to that. I, yeah, and I would imagine it also when you learn another language, you have to. Um, you, your your brain starts thinking in terms of concepts instead of just the labels because like uh, one one object has multiple labels to it now right yes. and so you're you're thinking conceptually and maybe having to attach things to the real world a little bit because uh, you have to in your mind make a choice about what label you're using depending on what language you're speaking um, yeah. And so you maybe you, you get less caught up in like labels are everything because you're like, well, <laughs> they're clearly not everything because I could use this set of labels or that set of labels and I'm saying the same freaking thing. So, right, right. That that might be I mean, that's that's a, intuitively that's what makes sense. But um, all right. Uh, I, I got my super chat thing back. Johnny Quick Boy, Johnny Boy Quick Draw says the blatant like button, the blatant like button button supremacy on this channel is frankly disgusting do better equal likes and dislikes for all buttons of the world unite <laughs> thank you johnny Thanks, boy, johnny boy. <laughs> uh christopher gory says i recently lost a good friend to the sjw cult a beautiful brilliant independent 33 year old i watched how they did it as they limited access to their friends and preyed on her kindness sick people <sighs> christopher i'm so sorry I, and I know exactly what that's like. I having been that person that got lost in the cult and also after leaving it, see people get pulled into it. And 
they do prey upon. We've talked about this on the show before, um, but they, especially, especially young people and young women in particular, college age women, who, if you've got daughters who are off at school, they have a big heart. They want to be, they want to be good and do good in the world. They prey on that. It's just like, think of this ideology as like a, a personality disorder, but, but, uh, and a belief system that's disordered, that's personality disordered. It's it's a toxic ideology, and it preys on people the same way, the same way that individual predators do, and it can recognize certain things in people. I think and take advantage of those things. So, I'm really sorry. the The other thing that I'll say is that sounds that's a downer. Is that somebody was asking me this on Twitter recently about about if it's possible for people to to wake up after you know, for anyone to wake up. And I don't, I never know. I never know which people are going to wake up and which ones aren't. And you don't know how long it takes either. I was in social justice for 20 years. People are in cults sometimes for long times before they wake up. You never know. So I, I wouldn't give up hope. That's a, that two decades is a long time. And, and I had an aunt who was praying for me those whole 20, that 20 years, you know, and as long as you've, just uh, depending on how close this person is, if you want to let them know that you're there for them and you love them and, and, you know, don't, uh, don't discard them. Um, you know, they might discard you, but you can let them know you're always there if they have a change of heart. Anyway. All right. I, I was, do you have stuff you, you wanted to ask in particular, Carrie? So I just, we it. haven't talked about He-Man yet. And <laughs> Given that oh, we I don't have, know. what are you talking about? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh my goodness! Okay. I didn't even like He Man when it when I was a kid. <laughs> I did. I loved He Man. My brother had all the figurines. We had I think both I was too castles. Old, but we had Gray right. Skull and uh, what was Skeletor's got Snake Snake Mountain? Was that what it was called? <laughs> we had both. And uh, any, anyway, wait, Gray Skull is the good place, and Snake Mountain yes. is the bad place. Okay, yeah. Um, so all the comic book and, and video game and pop culture people I know have been talking about He-Man and I figure we're, we're on with two pop culture people. Why don't we talk? Why don't you guys give our audience, give Carter, who is not aware of what's happening, an overview of, of, of RIP He-Man, what's been going on? <laughs> well, uh, so Kevin Smith is adapted it, like a, a, a sequel, essentially, for Netflix, a new cartoon of He-Man. And clownfish tv which is i think a youtube channel came out they leaked something they they were like it looks like like spoilers like it's not a he-man show it's actually a tila show and um what's a tila show tila's a female character on the show oh and he-man's usually adam uh the the lead and uh kevin usually I'll just cut in. Usually, Carter, it's about He-Man, and it's called He-Man because it's about He-Man. Oh. <laughs> yeah. Damn He's those 80s for their character. uncreative calling a show what it's about. Okay. <laughs> well, and then uh, Kevin Smith was like, no, that's not true. And uh, all the merchandise is He-Man. It's all Prince Adam. It, that's all what's everything. And then in the first episode, spoilers, uh, he, he dies. And it, and then if you look what? at the the episode descriptions of the following episodes, it's all about her. Like it, every single episode starts, you know, the description with her name, and a lot of people are like, "So Clownfish was right." So and it's not He Man. <laughs> it's not a He Man show. 
and everyone's mad about it. And my problem with it is it's not, I don't care if you want to make a TV show or whatever in the He-Man universe, whatever. I'm not sure. a huge fan, but you cannot lie to audiences. You cannot m completely misrepresent what it is you're making, what you're you know, going to show them uh, just to get them in the door. We've, we've seen that so many times. Like uh, the South Park guys figured it out. They did that whole build up to who's Cartman's father, who's Cartman's father. And then they showed a, an episode of Terrence and Philip instead. <laughs> and then everyone oh, I didn't was see mad. That. Okay. Yeah, it, it was that's yeah. the oldest one I can think of. That's 1998. And everyone was mad. And they were like, ooh, I guess we can't troll our fans. Okay. And then uh, Hideo Kojima did it. The um, the Metal Gear Solid 2 video game. The prologue is all you're playing Snake like you would expect. And then for the rest of the game, you're playing Raiden. And you're what? And they kept that quiet. And people were mad at him, too. And Hideo Kojima is, and Trey Parker and Matt Stone, they're incredibly well-loved by their fans. Incredibly yep. well-loved. And they were still pissed. You know, like you can't, you can't fuck with your audience that way. And that's what Kevin Smith did. And he's not willing to admit that that's what happened. And that, oh, it's because everyone's a misogynist. And it's like, no, it's because you lied to them because you totally misrepresented right. and you were a dick on Twitter about it too. So I don't know, like, that's why everyone's angry. <laughs> and, and now on Rotten Tomatoes, I didn't check the score uh, recently, but I know it had gotten down to, 29% for the fans and of course the critics were way higher ratings and uh, they had all these articles saying that fans were review bombing it and so some people suspect that Rotten Tomatoes froze the score of yeah. the fan rating in order to protect it which I could see happening so that's another uh, controversy regarding this yeah they've done that before they've if the audience score gets too low, they'll freeze it so that you can't keep so the audience can't rate it. And they, they manipulate, I mean, this is, this is the age of propaganda, right? And so all the critics are telling us, listen, you dumb misogynist, this is a great show. You should love it. And the fans are like, we don't, we hate it. And Kevin Smith, his response was to double down on what we've talked about. A lot of people in this belief system, they haven't, they have contempt, a lot of contempt for, the audience for the customers for the fans and so he his response instead of i'm not saying this is easy to do but instead <laughs> of hearing the criticism and and trying to process it and and respond as an adult he responded like a contemptuous child he was just you know he said they he he said it was being review bombed as if as if these reviews are fake um he like like alex said he he basically said they're all misogynists um, and it, that this is about hatred of women. Um, but he can't just accept that, like, no, people don't like you, first of all, changing something to make it woke in this way. But, but second of all, lying, that was the big thing was lying, saying that it's going to be about He-Man and then killing He-Man. Well, I see that. By the, the way, I can't find this on, on Rotten Tomatoes at all. Am I, mm -hmm. how, how boomery am I? It's probably, <laughs> is it Masters of the Universe or something? It's probably. Not I don't know. I searched for He Man, <laughs> and there's a new Adventures of He Man, but the page doesn't work. Um, mm -hmm. I don't see. I don't see it at all. Masters of the Universe. Oh, maybe that's what it is. 2022 Masters of the Universe. That sounds like it's coming out next year. That page doesn't exist either. Yeah. 
Yeah. Right, right now, the <laughs> critics rating is 95%. Audience rating is 36%. Oh, I wow. see. It's Masters of the Universe Revelation is what you're showing. Yeah. Okay. I got it. It's there. It's Masters of the Universe Revelation. Okay. Okay. So Christopher yeah. Gorey just gave us a super chat and says, the other night, Kevin Smith said, let me have it on the podcast. Let me have it. Like, give me all the feedback. Oh. And then disabled comments... Two minutes in. <laughs> Two minutes later. <laughs> Two minutes later. Sorry, dumb. Let fans. me have it. Oh, well, never mind. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So, I, I've I lost so much. So I've lost so much respect for Kevin Smith. Not not even just for this. It was way before this because I used to like Kevin Smith. He used to seem like a genuine fan of pop culture. He's very knowledgeable about comics and other things. But it became very obvious since you know he started YouTubing. He's had a YouTube channel that he was going to like like literally every big movie that comes out. And so he's became one of those people that, you know, Neurotic talks about when he says, says the access media, people who will only give favorable reviews because they want to get access to the stars and be invited to the Hollywood parties and everything. That's what he became because there was like literally no movie yeah. that was <laughs> that came out that was obviously bad that he would say, yeah, this is not a good movie. Like he would uh, this uh, Star Wars, the last Star Wars movie that came out, Rise of Skywalker, he went to the set. Uh, before the movie came out, obviously, and he tweeted that he was crying, that the the ending was so emotional, it was so great, and he's always taking these pictures of himself crying and stuff. <laughs> it's just like he has no Kevin integrity. Smith? Yeah, Clark's yeah. guy. I'm not thinking of a different Kevin Smith, am no. I? Like, no. He's also, no, okay, to be fair, he, he posts screenshots of himself crying. Yeah. To be fair, the six days before that podcast, he didn't eat anything. Because he's he's always fasting now, so I don't think your brain works all that well. Nor do you have much emotional control when you're not healthy, and I don't really find that healthy. <laughs> I'm a little worried about it. So wait, I want to play devil's advocate for just for a second because I don't have a dog in the He-Man race. <laughs> it's called Masters of the Universe Revelation. It's not called He-Man, so can't it be about anyone in the Masters of the Universe universe? True, but all the merchandise was of He-Man. All oh. of it. Okay, and he said specifically that it, He-Man, it was about He-Man. Okay. Yes. Yes, right. he told Someone people. says Kevin needs a Snickers bar. I don't know why. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And supposedly uh, He-Man's post the comeback alive. Uh, I haven't watched any of the episodes. So I, I've, I've read some of the articles defending uh, Kevin Smith's decision to kill off He-Man by saying, oh, he's going to come back. All your people are freaking out. So it's been really interesting seeing uh, um, a lot of people, not just the regular news outlets, but seeing like other YouTubers make videos about the people who are making videos about He-Man complaining that you know it's gone woke. And so they're like, well, you guys are complaining too much. But I'm like, you're making videos complaining about the people who are complaining. Like, <laughs> <laughs> You're complaining too much about the complainers. Right? <laughs> Maybe it's hilarious. Let people enjoy things is their like response when critics go after these woke titles, and it's like, but they're not enjoyable. If they were enjoyable, I wouldn't care. Like yeah. that's the thing too is that like a lot of people, the MCU is pretty played out like narratively. Like I'm not all that interested anymore, but like. They can still put a, I, I'm going to like go see it with open eyes. Like maybe, maybe I'll like it. I don't know. 
uh, the people behind it might have some gem of an idea for it, even though the studios got their dirty fingers in it. I don't know. And I, so I'm like, I'm even more open-minded than a lot of critics, but when it, when it is crap, I'm still going to call it crap and say it's badly written. Like, (laughs) yeah. Yeah. So it is also crap. In addition to not being about He-Man, you're saying it's also crap. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) That's most of the stuff these days. They're just not there. Even, even if you were to look past the woke stuff, however you want to define that beyond that, it's still poorly written. I don't know if it's because they're hiring people based on checkboxes and a lot of these people who don't understand uh, what they're writing, they don't understand um, plots, how to characterize things. They're not well versed in, you know, literary history uh, and other things. So it's very frustrating seeing this crop of writers on top of Hollywood continuing to do the thing that they've been doing for the past 20 years and taking old properties and trying to make these into tentpole franchises with a bunch of shows and movies and things. And so it's none of it, doesn't, none of it makes any sense. <laughs> I mean, I'm not in that world because I'm not, I'm not, you know, I don't do a lot of comic book watching or Pop reading or, or, yeah, that kind of stuff, right? But uh, it seems to me from the outside that one of the things that's most bothersome is that if I were going to start restart something like He-Man or... I don't know, pick anything, uh, Knight Rider, Rainbow Bright, like doesn't matter, anything, for, right? If I were going to start something, I would want the writers to be fans. I would want the writers to be like people, I would want to hire people who were absolutely loved the original and like, and just it was that passion and love that brought them to to remaking it. But it seems like they are hiring people that actually kind of despise or... <laughs> dislike the the original thing and they're asking they're hiring people specifically to destroy it because they didn't like it is it am i wrong no i don't think you're wrong um because like dr strange is a relatively good movie and the director behind that project he was a dr strange fan which i think is part of the reason why it actually works as a film and um but then you have someone like jj abrams doing star trek and he's never watched it and then you have people going into comic books, especially right now, who apparently hate the whole premise of comic books. The idea behind superheroes is, is that it's a fantasy, that you're better than you would be in the real world, that you you magically got superpowers. But they're writing things like I Am Not Starfire, where they are literally inserting themselves into the world of superheroes, not superpowered. <laughs> And it's like, why would you do that? It's a fantasy medium where you're supposed to live out like your power fantasy. Why would you do that? Why, like, you don't even comprehend what this is about. And you're you're hired to write major books for major comic book lines. I don't understand. So they're basically, it sounds like they're hiring people who kind of resent the fan base, never really liked the thing and just kind of want to stick it to them intentionally. Oh, yeah. They're hiring uh, ideologues. Like people who have an activist or academic background who are social justice, and they're not fans of these properties. They just want to remake everything to fit this ideology. Tyra Tomsky gave us a super chat. He says, the main criticism for me is when they advertise things as one thing and then they do the bait and switch. It's completely disingenuous. F Hollywood. I agree. Yeah. I agree. 
Uh, they, well, they need to do that because if they said Kevin Smith is writing a a new show about what's her name? T Tila. 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 <laughs> like no one would watch. And her girl. <laughs> so, and her girlfriend. You know, yeah, like it's Tila, like <laughs> Tila and her girlfriend. Right. So they they need they need to because they're not introducing anything that actually can stand on its own. They need to borrow the goodwill that's coming from the the franchise itself. That makes. I mean, I get it. It's horrible. But M Tax Shark gives us a super chat and says, "I'm loving today's entertainment. Blue on blue violence. Scarjo versus Disney. Emma Stone versus Disney. Rotten Tomatoes versus critics. Popcorn, please." I hadn't I, I don't know the the Emma Stone one but I did see in the Wall Street Journal this morning the Scarlett Johansson suing Disney for some release window violation um but well, yeah I mean I actually don't I don't I actually don't know why I would look I saw that article in the Wall Street Journal today I think it's even on the front page it's Scarlett Johansson suing Disney I just, I don't know if I'm weird. I don't understand why it's news. I don't understand why anyone cares about Scarlett Johansson's contract with Disney and how much they pay her for what or whatever. Like, why? I don't, why would anyone care? If, like, if some random person on the street came up to me and was like, I'm having an employment dispute with Walmart. I'm like, good. Good for you. Like, I hope it goes well, I guess. Like, I don't, I have no idea. I have no vested interest. I don't care why is that news but it's literally on the front page of the wall street journal so i've had that weirdo i've had that feeling recently about other things like for example i do care about certain pop culture things because i think it's indicative it's a symptom of a much larger uh culture cultural rot in a culture war so the he-man thing for example that's just one tiny little symptom of something very big that we've all been talking about right but there are other things that are in the news that i see people talking about that just i just don't get it like if you're on social media, the past few days, well, for a while, it was about uh, a porn star being kicked out of TP, a conservative conference, TPUSA. I don't care. Why is everybody arguing about this? that one? Then, actually, then, I, that one I actually get and I care about because I think it, there's a deeper issue. But I understand right. you. Yeah, but okay. then most recently, it's the Simone Biles and the Olympics thing and, and her not and everybody seemed to have an know. opinion one way or the other. <laughs> and I somebody even asked me last night out in the real world at a show there's what do you guys think about the small Biles Olympics? And I said, I think that I don't want to think about it. Who cares? I don't get that at all. Like, why are I, wait, we talking you, about this? Can you enlighten me? I'm not even sure what happened. Or do I care even what happened? You don't, I don't... care. It doesn't matter. <laughs> it's so stupid. She did something? Like, okay. All right. No, but, I, but, uh, but the only thing about it that's interesting to me is why does the media, why is the media pushing this story? I saw a great meme of somebody who's standing against the wall saying, I don't care about and don't want to know about the Olympics or Simone Biles. And then another person had a huge tuba with the tuba over their head. And it said, and it was said the media, Simone Biles, Simone Biles. Like, I don't, why are you pumping this story? And I think it's just a, maybe it's just another example of how they'll seize on anything to try and divide us and make us all, oh, you better have an opinion on this. And one side thinks this and one side thinks that. What? Like, does it? But 
It's also like I think a lot of times they kind of project certain narratives onto sporting events. Like I noticed, like I guess it's been like twenty years since ESPN started doing the human interest story. So, like you'll be watching a football game and they'll cut to one of the sideline reporters and she'll go into a story about how the running back was the product of a single mother and he had to walk to school five miles in the snow. And I'm thinking, I don't care. I just want to watch the game. But I've, because I've been watching so many Olympic stuff, and they do the same thing. They have to have all these these heartwarming stories about their family and their journey. I like, I don't care. Yeah, <laughs> I'm I'm with I you. I don't. About- I didn't know ESPN was doing that because I'm not a big sports guy, yeah, and yeah. I when I watch, it's usually just the World Cup or or hockey or something. I didn't know that ESPN was doing that. But that is annoying. That would be. I hate. I honestly, maybe this makes me an asshole. I hate human interest stories, and I don't think I hate them. No, I don't think I hate them like as such. Like I don't think I hate human interest story qua human interest story. But I feel like everything I see from mainstream media is always some human interest story designed to manipulate me to agree with some narrative somewhere. And I'm just I like now I'm just turned off to human interest stories generally. Like I I don't I don't care. I don't want to hear them. Like, I'm going to save my empathy for people that are actually in my life. I just don't care. I think they turn sports into reality TV because the way the reality mm. TV works is that they tell you all these bullshit things that have nothing to do with whatever's going on. Like you, like a dance competition show and they're like, want to tell you about their lives or whatever. And it's like, no one cares. Just show them dance. And then, mm-hmm. like, it's the same thing with sports. Uh, the, I don't give a shit about sports at all so to me i'm sort of i'm missing out on i see the olympics ads and i'm like just shut up i just don't want to hear about it at all please let's go back to talking about he-man i haven't watched any of the olympics like i don't even i I don't even know what started i just hear people talking about it so i do enjoy the olympics i enjoy sports but that's because i enjoy the enthusiasm of others who really who really love sports. So I like going to live events and stuff with people who are really into it or going to a sports bar, with people who are really into it. That's exciting. It's like going to Ren Faire with people who are super into Ren Faire or go, going to Comic-Con and hitting a particular booth yeah. with a friend who's a fan of that particular, um, you know, uh, IP. And, and so I, I do get into sports, but I don't with this, this particular Olympics, I would be curious to see, figures on who's watching because my my gut uh my my assumption is that people are tuned out this year my assumption is that there aren't as many people because we've seen a destruction of so so just like what's happening in he-man or all these different you know uh entertainment options all these different properties the same thing has happened in the sports world where something that used to be a place of camaraderie where people came together with a sense of community and uh, the sort of a harmless, uh, a harmless kind of tribalism. It's like this is my, you know, I'm a Star Wars fan. Well, I'm a it's Star Trek. It's fan. an outlet. Or, it's a healthy yeah, outlet yeah. for tribalism. Yeah, a healthy or, outlet or, for tribalism. That's been polluted now with ideology, and they've tried to yeah. uh, divide it, and they've taken some of the joy out of it. And so I, I bet you there aren't as many people tuning in now as there used to be. I mean, I used to watch the Olympics Probably. every year. I don't. I mean, every four years. I don't care to every watch two years it this year. i would yeah. watch it if they did the shoot, if they showed the shooting but they won't show the shooting in the u.s they don't the show shooting? the shooting no so i've what never watched it there's a there's a in the winter sports there's a competition where people ski downhill with a rifle yeah. and shoot targets that's oh, yeah. 
I want to see right. that. Yeah, <laughs> it's cross country skiing, but yes, right? Yeah. Yeah. And and my t- my smart TV it, like it has all those normal menu things on the the home page and like you know like update restart power off whatever and one of them is the 2020 Tokyo Olympics and I'm like no go away <laughs> you literally updated my smart TV to push the Olympics on me and- <laughs> yeah <laughs> I, I didn't realize they're not watching. showing any shooting that's crazy they won't that's crazy. I, Maybe they'll I remove watch. it as a sport eventually. So sports. <laughs> so uh, Penumbra Syndicate says he gives us a super chat and says this is why you should turn off the Olympics and watch the CrossFit Games. I didn't even know that was a thing, but I'm going to take your word for it that that's more interest. That's more entertaining. Uh, Noah N says CVX breakout failure or Simone distraction. Oh, I see. Yeah. Uh, you know what CVX is mean. Yes, I get okay, that. Yeah, yeah. Okay. okay. Thank you. Thank you. And then Marie yeah. Busky gives us a super chat and says, for the Carter Curmudgeon Alternative News Fund. <laughs> Thank Thanks, you, Marie. Marie. And Johnny Boy Quickdraw says, it's a merger of Hollywood greed and woke parasites pushing an agenda. Take an existing brand and rework it. Much easier than starting from scratch. Yep. You want to do the last? There's a. There's one more. Final one. Pirate Queen says they murder beloved franchises and they wear their carcasses around, claiming absolute authority over what people should think about the franchise. That is such an oh, imagery. That's the mm-hmm. right. But that's the right image. Like I think that's that's the most brilliant thing, like description I've heard. Because you, when you wow. murder your enemies in the, in like primitive tribes, you wear their stuff or whatever to show that you're you've conquered that's what they're doing they're showing the fan base that we've conquered this property it's we've 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 destroyed the property and to show you we're gonna wear the we're gonna wear the garb ah, man, wow that is what a tough chilling i got goosebumps reading that <laughs> they murder <laughs> yeah. the franchises and wear their carcasses around oh yeah, yeah. <laughs> well put well put who was that rebecca Pirate Queen. Oh, Pirate Queen. Rebecca the Pirate Queen, I think, is her full title. I'm not sure. I hope I didn't get that wrong. Yeah. All right. Well, there you go. Um, what's been What's been upsetting you guys in the news? What's Is there anything positive? What either gives you hope or pisses you off lately in the news? Either one of you. <laughs> the news summary call makes me hopeful. Like, every time mm. I hear about that, I get more hopeful. Because I feel like they are making traction on it. Um, and the the idea that they even got a full recall vote in, that gave me hope. And, and since I am in Maricopa, the Maricopa uh, audit, that also made me feel better that, that that happened. Didn't Twitter suspend the Maricopa audit account, though, and, and a whole bunch of other audit accounts? Yeah, they mm-hmm. did. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and they won't report on the results on any news media. Like but, I, but not that I expected them to. Like instead yeah. I'm I'm getting my info from people who are like there, you know. I'm not that far from it, so. <laughs> yeah. I'm I'm excited about Newsom as well. Um and I'm also excited that Larry Elder is running, which I think is awesome. Oh, yeah. Um Where in California? Was it? I think it's California, um, right? Yeah, it's California. Yeah, California. So he's yeah, running yeah, in the yeah. recall election, and actually, a few people in chat seem to think that he's got a good chance of winning. 
Tim Buck says he's going to win. Like I can't tell. I mean, California does this thing where they like will elect someone like Gray Davis or Newsom, who's just you know horrible, and then but then we like we'll switch to like Schwarzenegger, who's like not really fixing anything, but like kind of talks like he might at first, and then like we don't. I feel like California's this constant letdown of like, oh, maybe there's a pocket of enough people that are freedom oriented that will turn the state. And it turns out like, no, there never actually is. And like, there's never, the candidate's never actually that good. But if Larry Elder gets in, Larry Elder will be good. So I don't know. If, I have a little bit of hope for that. If yeah. every woke white person who says that they believe in shutting up and listening to black That's people right. were, black to, voices were, to, were to actually live their beliefs and put up or shut up and, and that they want to raise black voices, right? And combat their own white privilege. They would, they would vote for the black man. If they lived what they say they believe, woke white people, listen to me. Larry, <laughs> Larry Elder needs to do an ad that's like, you know, put up or shut up. Lift black voices. He did. I think, actually, I think if he did an ad that just totally, he like went over the top with leftist language in a way that his actual supporters knew he was making Joking. fun of it, but the left wouldn't notice. It might work. He could be like, he could talk about his lived experience and as black man, and there's systemic oppression. He can leave out the word racist. He can just like there is systemic oppression. Um, like he could say a lot of stuff. He might he might well, sway some like people who aren't paying attention who are on the left that are like I'm voting for the black guy. Oh yeah, yeah. You know the way the woke vote is they seriously as long as it well first it has to say D beside the name so he's not going to get a right. bunch of because it doesn't say. Does D his D say L or is he Republican? What is, is he running? He running? Or... I don't know what he's running as, uh, but he it has to say D. Then what they do if there's a if the, then what they do is they look at the race and the sex of the person. So if there's two Democrats running, uh, and if they're both women, well, is one of them black? Is one of them Latina? Because then that's how you choose your vote. Like that's literally what they do. But the most right. important thing is it has to be in the right party. So like people in the chat are saying, all the woke people are going to say, not that black voice, like not that right. black man. And as uh, what's her name, the the 1619 uh, project uh, clown, what's her name? Oh, I uh, forget, but I'm glad, Nicole, so I don't want to remember. Hannah Nicole Jones. Hannah Jones, yes. Yeah. As she How says, dare you? <laughs> she says uh, that that is possible to be to be black, but not be politically black. That's what they would say about. Larry <laughs> yeah, he's not politically <laughs> black. Yeah, he's black with a little B, not a big B. Right. <laughs> That's right. Yeah. Mystery Chris. Well, Biden Why are you laughing? <laughs> <laughs> did, did I? Uh, sorry, so uh, I was listening to uh, the radio uh, the other day. And I was going through channels, and I don't know if it's NPR, some station like that. And I heard some guy talking about uh, fighting what he called environmental racism, and I think he said political racism. And I was thinking, like, wait, what? <laughs> like, how was how environmental? Ra- I no, what? Yeah. And I just well, I just started laughing. I it's, it didn't make any sense. Environmental racism? 
Yes, environmental so racism. So is it that is it related to the fact that hiking is racist? Because we've already <laughs> figured that out a while ago, right? It's too far for us black people to go. Like <laughs> yeah. I saw a new black one. people. I... Black people only know how to exist in cities. They've never had to exist ever outside of cities. So hiking. Jog- I, saw new, I saw a new one. This nature. Jogging is yeah. racist. <laughs> <Uh-oh>. <laughs> if anything, you'd think outside would be racist against white people because we get sunburn. <laughs> <laughs> the sun clearly hates us more. But, you know. What I was watching the Olympics or watching the, the swimming stuff, which I normally don't watch, but I just badly need some escapism. And I was thinking, why aren't there like activists saying that the uh, swimming portion of the Olympics is racist because there's no black people swimming? <laughs> like, I, no can I start this? <laughs> can can I ahead, start yes. this? Barely. Yeah. Yeah. I'm going to try to saw, start the um, most ridiculous thing. I saw someone when Italy won the cup, there was an article about how they were all, they, there were no people of color on the Italian team. And I was like, Italy is 91% Italiano. What do you expect? <laughs> there were in, on the English team, obviously, because England is much more of a melting pot than Italy. But yeah. 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 Well. So since we are sort of just casually talking about the Olympics, so... One of the funniest tweets I saw, I can't find it right now, so I'm going to paraphrase it, was, was you know, there was this, manuf- I don't know, maybe this outrage, I guess, about one of the female, I think it was the volleyball team or something, about how they had to wear bikini bottoms and they got mm. fined for wearing shorts instead of bikini bottoms. But, I mean, it's not one of these things, I don't really care, but sure, if you don't want to wear bikini bottoms, yeah, you should be able to wear shorts. Why should that matter? Wear shorts. They shouldn't fine you for that. And, and um but but a lot of celebrities were using it as an opportunity to grandstand and talk about sexist oppression and whatever. And Chrissy Mayer, the comedian, said she did a tweet that was something like, uh, I can't believe that they would force the women's volleyball team to wear bikini bottoms. Where are they supposed to hide their penis? <laughs> <laughs> So true. So true. Great, great observation, Chrissy Mayer. I look. I actually don't have a problem. Like, I don't really care about the Olympics, but there are like regulations for uniforms, and like, if they want to be able to wear shorts, that's I think should be taken up prior to entering the Olympics, and with the committee or whatever fucking whoever makes the rules about like, okay, we need to change the uniform requirements. So I, I do think it's like. If you're going to violate uniform requirements that you signed up to when you joined the Olympics, then you can get fined. Like, that makes sense to me. It's a separate issue whether there should be the, that particular requirement or whether right. it should be different. So Change them. Um, yeah, change the requirements. Like, there need to be – clearly, there need to be uniform requirements. So, you know, just take off the bikini bottoms. See if that works. <laughs> I might watch the Olympics. Oh, if they did that. Oh, Carter. Oh. <laughs> toxic masculinity. <laughs> so, uh, anything else for today, you guys? Yeah, what, I'm just you, feeling Mystery a little... Chris, what's bothered you this week or, or gives you hope? Hope? Uh, the new Ghostbusters trailer looks good. 
And I'm excited because the director is Ivan Reitman's son. I think it's Jason. I think it's the name. And he does appear to actually like Ghostbusters. <laughs> <laughs> so it, it comes across through the trailer, and it looks like they have some respect for the source material. So I don't, I don't know. The movie could still be bad, but it looks like they actually are trying to do something. Like they recognize that the 2016 Ghostbusters movies was terrible and that it didn't even try to build on what came before. So it looks like they have some respect and reverence for, for what came before. So because of that, I'm excited for it. Again, it could suck, but yeah, I'm looking forward to it. I thought I didn't the even know thing. there was coming out. Yeah. Oh, sorry, I, sorry, go ahead. This fall? I, yeah, I thought the same thing when I saw it. I, I felt like it was not uh, trying to disrupt the original content, which is one of my best friends always says, we already have a bad Ghostbusters movie. It's called Ghostbusters 2. We didn't need another one. <laughs> I like Ghostbusters. <laughs> I know. I, I did too. He's kind of joking when he says that. But I it, it isn't as good as the first one. But sequels right. rarely, rarely are. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, remember when 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 like sequels were just not great. Now they're like actively horrible, right? When they make the new when they made the new one. I didn't know there was a new Ghostbusters. When's it coming out? Uh, I think October. Okay. Either October or November. I forget. Probably right. right. Halloween. Right. Yeah. yeah. Around that it's time. Time for Halloween. Yeah, it's it's interesting because a lot of the movies that were delayed last year for COVID. Uh, were pushed back. Some of them were supposed to open this summer, but again, some theaters being open not, they decided to push it back even further. So this fall, we have a bunch of movies coming out. You know, that Dune, new Spider-Man movie is supposed to be coming out. Uh, a bunch of other ones. So should be okay. should be interesting time. I feel like nice. the new Spider-Man movie is going to be like a complex mess of a film. Yeah. Well, I keep wondering, like, how long before they try to introduce Miles Morales, who is the half black, half, I think, is he half Puerto Rican or Cuban uh, Spider-Man into the uh, the main franchise, since that seems to be the way that Marvel's going in the live action movies. Yeah. Hmm. So there's a, a matter people, of time. There's a lot of people in the chat who agree with you guys and say they're they're pretty hopeful about the new Ghostbusters. And also, Hail Comics Division, who's in the chat and yeah. gave hey, a comics. super chat. It said, I fully support this, Carter. I think he might. He's talking about the, just to be clear, he's talking about pantsless women's volleyball. In the- oh. <laughs> <laughs> we both know meant- what he's talking about. I thought he meant Ghostbusters. <laughs> no, he's not meant Ghostbusters. <laughs> so thank you, Ian. <laughs> right over. Right over my head. Uh, anyway. Someone, oh. someone said, someone brought up Terminator 2 and, and the second Aliens movie. I do think the second Aliens movie is better than the first one. I still think Terminator 2 is not as good as Terminator 1, but it is really good. So, I, I like Terminator 2 better than the first one because I, I think it, yeah, it, it's essentially the same story, same plot, but I think they executed it better. And certainly from a tech, um, techno, technological or, you know, technical you point like of view, the CGI. They, they did much better on than obviously the effects in the first one, and those effects yeah. still hold up. I was watching a video on YouTube of some guys who do um, reviews of CGI movies and stuff, and they're still amazed at how well these special effects from 30 years ago still hold up. They were trying to recreate it, and they're like, "Wow, this is still really good." Yeah, yeah. I like it was the, just way I more like, expensive. 
I like T2 yeah. better than the Terminator. The Terminator's good, but I like T2 better. But I feel like really? Cameron's best work is when he's doing the surrogate parent-child relationship in a movie, which is why Aliens 2 also works. Mm-hmm. And why every time he doesn't do that, the movie is awful. <laughs> <laughs> but those were movies that like did feminism like right. Because they yeah. betrayed women who, as they were like tough, and they took charge, but they still had uh, flaws, and they they still had vulnerabilities, and they had a very nurturing quality, you know, just like you were mentioning, Alex, you know, with yeah. you know, Aliens Two with, with uh, Ripley and Newt, who became like a surrogate child, and then and Terminator Two, you have uh, uh, Linda, Linda Hamilton, Hamilton. Yeah. yeah, and John Connor, and you. Yeah. The, you saw how much they cared for their their children or surrogate children that it led to like two of the most badass scenes in all of like pop culture movie histories like the uh, uh when uh, ripley gets into the the mecha suit and is fighting queen alien because get away from here you bitch great <laughs> yep. scene and yeah. then in terminator 2 with the uh sarah connor pumping the shotgun with one one hand, one hand. Awesome. that awesome, i was yeah. hoping that was the scene you were going to say yeah, yeah. That's an awesome yeah. scene it was an awesome scene yeah. But see, so, and the thing I is, like, if if they go ahead, go ahead. Well, um, no, continue your thought. And then I have a question for you about uh, this. Oh, I was just saying, like, if the writers today were actually good writers, they could still like put in the woke stuff if they were more clever at <laughs> putting it in without it being, you know, noticeable and ruining the characterization right. and stuff. But they're just they're not talented writers. On top of that, so. No, they're not. And and yeah. I agree. Well, I don't mind the the I, I really love powerful female characters when they're done right. I was having a conversation this morning. This is the, the related the question I want to ask you. Um my church asked me to be on a another faith and film panel. We're doing it this Wednesday, I think, if anybody's in the Austin, Georgetown area and wants to come. And we're doing we're gonna watch uh Wonder Woman nineteen eighty four, which I haven't seen yet, and then we're doing a discussion. <laughs> Why are you laughing? (laughs) (laughs) That should be fun. (laughs) Uh, I want to hear your thoughts on that movie, first of all. But secondly, the one of the other panelists is uh, I think she's a cultural anthropologist who's written about in pop culture how a lot of these supposedly feminist characters, these female characters have not you. You have to give something up. And they're not giving anything up. They're sort of, they're too perfect. It's, it made me think of what, what you've talked about before, Chris, about uh, what was that that kind of female character, the Mary Jane? Or the character Mary who's just... Sue. Mary Sue. Mary Sue, okay. Mary Sue. Yeah, can you tell me what you think, firstly, about Wonder Woman 1984 and also about this whole mm-hmm. idea of how do they get strong female characters wrong now? What are they doing wrong? Uh, I think, uh, kind of like what I was just mentioning, I think... They don't um, give them true flaws, and they don't. They're afraid to to have these women embrace femininity. It's like they think femininity is bad for some reason, and so they're trying to give them masculine traits uh, without, you know, uh, fleshing them out and kind of giving them more feminine traits too to kind of balance out that masculine traits to to go along with what they're doing. And so, it ends up coming off as very flat uh, characters, characters that don't have any depth. To them, uh, characters that no one can identify with because they keep using excuse like, well, you know, people have to see themselves, meaning the race or the gender and stuff. And I don't fully agree with that. I, I do sometimes, 
understand that, yeah, certain people are going to respond to certain characters uh, a little bit differently because of the race and gender if they share that. But if you have a character that is going through something that is universal, I think that's something that can apply to everyone and people can identify with. Because certainly there are a lot of women who like Star Wars or even Batman. And yeah, that's a male protagonist, but it's a character that has gone through something terrible and they had to make the choice. Do they go down the path of evil or do they go toward the path of good? And I think a lot of people can identify with um, going from that sheltered nature or the, the sheltered life, you know, protection of the parents, being an adolescent, and then being thrown out into the real world and having to deal with real world problems. And you have to make a choice. How are you going to deal with that? Which direction are you going to go? And so I think that's missing in just characters in general, but especially with a lot of female characters. And the Mary Sue, um, like I said, is basically a character that doesn't have those flaws that doesn't have any depth to to them and so yeah i think it's also um often the female character does something we would consider on an interpersonal level to be negative and is never called on it in the story that happens a lot too um i'm i'm a huge fan of strong female characters like i went as xena as a kid for halloween I loved that show and they talked 10 about 10 years ago about remaking the show and i was like please don't don't touch it because don't ruin it all the things they said they were gonna do would just pissed me off and i was like please don't do this and luckily it got canceled before they even went into casting or anything i was like oh thank god it was such a relief but they might do it again at some point you know they might come for her again but the idea that they act like there aren't strong female characters in past titles. And we know that's not true uh, because yeah, Alien and Terminator are two of the biggest sci-fi action franchises out there. And they both in the beginning were female leads. And the problem is, is that like, if you watch T2, uh, Sarah Connor's kind of insane. <laughs> yeah. We know she's kind of crazy, like legitimately so because, you know, she's she's paranoid, but what she's paranoid about happening is going to happen. But she it makes her react uh weirdly in certain situations. She tries to kill somebody, uh, you know, and says she hates men at one point and her son is like <laughs> you know, to her and it, but like the lack of flaws, the lack of vulnerability, no one can relate to that. The lack of a journey as well. There's no growth for these characters. If you look at uh, old animated Mulan movie to the uh, recent live action Mulan movie, the old one, she is terrible at fighting, <laughs> at tactics in the beginning, but then they have that whole be a man uh, montage where she becomes good at fighting, at uh, using weapons and everything, and she's smart. And then you compare that, that journey, to um, the new Mulan, where she's just awesome from the beginning. And you're like, there's nothing to hold on to as a, as a viewer. You know, you don't see any growth. What are you waiting for at that point? You don't know what you're waiting for. Uh, and then also the Mulan story in the original animated is much more universal. The idea that I feel like I don't fit in this fit in in this world, and I would like to find my place in it. How can I do that? That's very universal. That's not specific, you know, to one demographic. You know, no one has a, a has a 
monopoly on feeling that way. So that's why that movie worked. But the new Mulan is trash because there's n- there's none of that work done. And there's just nothing for the audience. So it's like, I, I'm like, I'd rather go watch the old stuff than, tr- you know, try you, you know, waste my time with this new stuff. I'm not interested. Yeah. Yeah, we're, we're kind I'm, of seeing a kind of destruction of these idealized standards and that kind of kills the aspirational qualities of these characters. So we as audience members can't invest in the journey because there is no journey. And so they end up becoming just very flat characters that suck. Yeah. I just wanted to point out that uh, Chris Jones in chat gave us a super chat and says, if they touch classics like the Golden Girls, heads will roll. Happy Friday. (laughs) (laughs) I have to underline that leave the golden girls alone we will have to restrain carrie if anything happens to golden girls but if they did remake it carrie who would be in it oh come on you know they would make it all like uh black trans women you know leslie jones um, yeah. no, no. <laughs> I, I was joking with a friend last night i was thinking you know what i bet people and i was kind of half joking but i'm like i could see this maybe coming true that people are going to look at old movies from like 1950s and 40s full of white people and decide to like deep fake them by like putting like black faces on them to like de white face them. And I, like, and I was thinking, so like, is that go black face? Black face. Yeah. Black face? Yeah. There's too many white people in this movie. They yeah. might. Or they'll just ban the movies. I mean, they'll just remake all of them. Yeah. Because uh, they're wow. out of ideas. Someone in chat earlier asked, like, are writers just bad now or is there something else? And I, I don't know the answer whether writers are bad now. Maybe writers aren't as good. But I think we just talked about, like, the selection criteria for choosing writers is not appropriate for creating good art anymore. It's the selection criteria is yeah. wrong. So, Yeah, they're not doing – so We uh, the interview that I got to do with my friend Jared Bauer, who was one of the founders of Wisecrack, he – gave some anecdotes during that interview, but one of them, and I've heard this too. I've heard the same stories from people I know in, in Los Angeles is in the writer's room. Now they are promoting people just solely based on their race and their sex and their sexuality and which of these marginalized boxes they check off. So normally it would be you start as a writer's assistant and if you work your way up, if the, if somebody leaves the writer's staff, if you've done a good job as a writer's assistant, you get promoted, but they're telling writer's assistants now, if they happen to be a, a straight white man, like they're skipping them three, four times in a row saying, oh, I'm sorry, we just can't have another white man on the staff. We've got to hire outside, like, because we have, because it, it's basically, it's not about the writing as much as it's about making sure they have the right um, identity markers. Yeah, I don't, think, right. they, uh, I don't think there are less good writers right now. I just think they're not prioritizing good writing, essentially, as, you know, to put it more succinctly. Um, I, I think they exist. They're just, they're probably all indie right now. Yeah. Oh. It's not as important as other things to them. It should be the most important thing, but it's not. Sorry, I'm sorry. I'm bothered by this. Someone in chat, Surly Unicorn, says they're going to remake The Princess Bride. I, I think I that, that that's my golden girls for you, Carrie. Like that, <laughs> <laughs> heads, heads will roll. 
<laughs> if they meet, there's no reason to do it. You don't need to update. Like, it's not like the animation could be or like CGI or anything. Like, there's zero reason to remake it. Zero. Um, but except it's not to like, ruin it. They're going to yeah, make the princess a, a boy. They'll make the princess a boy. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Or tra trans. <laughs> It'll be trans pirate Roberts. Yeah. Um, <laughs> okay. Yeah. Do you want to read some more super chats, Carter? Yeah. Sure. Okay. Sure. I'll be right um, back. All right. Oh. Wow. Your uh, avatar is better than Carrie's. Uh, okay. <laughs> Andrew Joyner I says, can't can't stop now, but just wanted to mention saw an interview with the director of Karen, and I'm even more confused. Not sure if he knew it was satire. Oh, I don't think he meant for it to be satire. Okay. Noah N says, apparently the writers of Doctor Who were just fired for their terrible woke writing. Oh, really? I don't know. I don't follow Doctor Who. Do you guys follow Doctor Who? A little bit. I, di I didn't read the recent stories, but yeah, it looks like Jodie Whittaker's leaving and Chris okay. Noel, however you say his last name, is leaving too. Uh, the Gay Rascal says, male gymnasts want to go topless, which I support. <laughs> uh, Twee Girl writes, Mona, make Olympics nude again. Hey, that's an interesting idea because they were nude originally, right? So, again, <laughs> it would help the ratings. Uh <laughs> Penumbra Syndicate says, I'm hopeful for bl Back for Blood. It's Left for Dead 3 without actually being Left for Dead 3 from the makers of Left for Dead. Releases in October. Awesome. I don't know any of the references. <laughs> I do. You, do. Alex? <laughs> I do. So uh, this happens a lot in the video game development world where the creators of a title are no longer working on its sequels and they move to, they form their own s development studio or whatever. And they, uh, so then fans of the original want to follow that development team because they liked what they did. Now the publisher and the new studio who's handling the old title are probably not going to do a good job on a, on the sequels. And this happens a lot. Um, so you'll okay. see people go, oh, we were the makers of Torchlight. We were the makers of Fallout New Vegas. And they say that because, you know, like, oh, I was the lead director. I was, you know, I did the art development. I did the writing, whatever. People follow the developers uh, to okay. their new studio and their new projects. The problem is, is that you're not bringing your IP with you, unfortunately, which a lot of people then are kind of sad that the IP is basically turning into trash, but that happens all the time in video games. Is that what happened with Last of Us? Or Yeah, Last of Us 2? Is that yes, what happened? Pretty okay. much. Um, the Naughty Dog kind of kicked uh, Amy, uh, kicked a lot of people out. It's Naughty Dog, yeah. And they, I think it's Naughty Dog, yeah. Yeah, and they uh, essentially ruined, and and also they they did have like the, one of the original people on it, but he didn't understand what was so awesome about his first project, essentially. Which I've seen that too. I've seen a lot of creators not get why they were successful on a project, what people loved about it in the first place. <laughs> and completely okay. change anything. Yeah, someone, people are mentioning Amy Hennig. Amy Hennig is a huge, really good uh, game developer. She writes some of the best um, stories and games, 
and they kicked her out and for a white male, a straight white male. <laughs> and it's like, it's kind of hilarious because she, every, like people who play video games know her name. Like, and, and, and it's so crazy to go, well, you're not woke enough for us. So we're kicking you out. And it's like, now demographics don't matter. <laughs> <laughs> well, Messy she's not, matters. she's not politically female. Um, <laughs> oh, fully progressive compliant dog. <laughs> they should change their name (laughs) yeah wow renovatio what a great comment um all right a couple more super chats uh best time is now says superman and lois is surprisingly good which i don't know i never watched it yeah, I've heard that. I haven't watched it myself, but that's on, I believe, the, the uh, I was about to say the WB, CW. And uh, it's apparently pretty good and not woke yet. <laughs> yet. Yeah. Uh, Exia Valens says, will you guys read Dune by Frank Herbert for book club sometime? You can put it Maybe. On the list as a potential. We'll put it on the list. Uh, we have a big potential Do it before list. the Thank movie you. comes out. Okay. I. You know what? This is I usually nerds because i like i do i am a science fiction kind of nerd other nerds hate me for not liking i don't like the the dune movies this is do i have any I don't hatred i, from, you know, I don't like the the 80s dune movie oh okay uh, i remember liking the sci-fi channel but i one but i looked on youtube recently i think it's still up there and it was really cheesy <laughs> but yeah i was never fond of the uh, lynch version wasn't david was lynch really yeah strange. Uh, It was also um, a little bit uh, Ridley Scott. Oh, okay. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Dune had like a really complicated um, backstory production, production wise. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, and I think from what I remember, I think the the CGI matters. Like it'd be nice to see it done. If I remember the old one, I didn't like the story, and I also like it was just this kind of really cheesy special effects. So. Well, I don't really, I, I hardly consider it sci-fi. It's almost more Shakespearean because it's all okay. about political drama between factions at a court. It feels more fantasy almost in that regard. So like, I know a lot of sci-fi people are like, where, where do you put that genre wise? Cause it is, it's not exactly like hardcore sci-fi. Okay. It's just like cool. drama in space. <laughs> That's not what I said. <laughs> That's what I felt like about. That, oh, sorry, Shakespeare in space. I felt like uh, I. That's why I never watched Deep Space Nine because I felt like it was Melrose Place in space, and I was like, I don't. Know. Oh, I love Deep Space Nine. I want to watch this. <laughs> yeah. But there's, you got to go somewhere and, and meet aliens. Did you watch? All right, how many are we, episodes? Are we- <laughs> I'm trying to convince convert oh, no. Space Nine fan. We- I didn't watch enough episodes. <laughs> are we caught up with super chats? Uh, on super chats, I think we are. Yeah. yeah, I think we're caught up with super chats. So, so I think we should I, I call it a day today, don't you? Yeah, yeah. No, I think so. Yeah. Um, I just I want to remind down, people but, yeah. that we have Film Club. It's our very first unsafe space. Problematic Phone Club coming up this Sunday. We're doing it live at one o'clock Texas time. So two o'clock Eastern, 11 o'clock Carter's time. And that is going to be, uh, we're going to be discussing the movie 
the party with Peter Sellers. And the uh, special guests so far are going to be Jared Bauer from Wisecrack, uh, screenwriter Cameron Pasha, comedian Chrissy Mayer, and we may have a fifth. Um, but if you want to, if you want to join us, watch that movie beforehand. So we don't spoil anything for you. Um, and then we have book club coming up August 15th. Is that right? Uh, yes, I think I, it's not in front of me anymore, but I think it's August 15th and it's Michael Malice's, um, anarchist handbook. And then after that, it's September 19th and it's neuromancer by William Gibson. Right. And for book club, you can be on camera with us during the and part of the discussion. If you want to be a part of book club, send us an email at speak at unsafespace.com and, and somebody will get you the link. Uh, you can go to the website and find out more info. We have a our first ever unsafe space retreat coming up in Texas in August. And if you would like to get tickets, go to the website. You can find out more info about that. Uh, Alex and, and Mystery Chris remind people where they can find you. Okay, you can find me on YouTube, Alex Ball Trades, all one word, no spaces. You can find me on uh, Getter, Minds, and uh, Facebook as Alex Maselli or Alex Ball Trades. And you cannot find me on Twitter because I was banned from Twitter. <laughs> Permanently banned. Congratulations. Yeah. <laughs> and you can't find Mystery Chris because he's anonymous. <laughs> Wait, you can. You can find me in your heart. <laughs> you need to just do a mystery chris social media know, profile already I should, yeah. I should. Can, can i uh just a quick little story i'll be quick yeah. i promise yeah. uh this is just to uh tag on to what you mentioned about the movie uh, the movie club uh parties you're gonna do and how you're gonna be watching a lot of movies that are very risque compared to today's political correct standards well uh back when i was in college uh we were doing some senior projects and one of the guys was putting together a website to, you know, uh, advertise our, our show we're going to do for their projects. And so he was getting quotes for a bunch of people and he's like going around, what's your favorite quote, blah, blah, blah. So he could put on a website and he kept like coming to me. I was like, I don't know. I don't know. I was like just blowing him off, blowing him off. And he came one more time and I was like, fine, I'll just give him a quote. So I said, uh, where are all the white women at Sheriff Bart? And I, I didn't think he was going to like actually put it on the website or anything. So I was like, whatever. <laughs> Lo and behold, the website goes up, and you see my profile, Mr. Chris, and then under, like, favorite quote, it goes, where are all the white women at? I'm like, what? <laughs> yeah. And your reputation that. was established. <laughs> I love that. Well, uh, just so you to make you feel a little bit better about um, my comments about Deep Space Nine, everyone in chat agrees with you. I'm uh, Yes. A troglodyte. Deep Space Nine Deep Space and Babylon 5. I know there's a lot of Babylon 5 love in, in the uh, chat. Babylon 5 is awesome, too. I think I watched <laughs> Babylon 5, and it was okay. I, it was okay, Deep Carter, what is going on? <laughs> Steve Marvin is asking for a Mystery Chris face reveal. We're working our way up to that. <laughs> <laughs> what happened one day? One day. Someday it'll happen. Someday Maybe. It'll happen. <laughs> you know, if you build it up too much, people will be disappointed by your face eventually. So you gotta... <laughs> Don't build it up too much, light. man. I'll put on light makeup and then I'll take it off. Oh, I wanted All right. to say, I got a pack, a big package from Carter, and there were lots of things in it, and some of them are from months ago. And I just wanted to say thank you 
to a few people who sent stuff. One is Libby Glass, who made me this cross stitch, and it says, not today, Joy Eater. And I love it. It's just beautiful. Awesome. Yeah, thank yeah. you so much. Um, but yeah, I'm, I'm, uh, I'm writing thank you cards. I'm, I'm, I want to be one of those people who never forgets to send a thank you card. And I realize that I can do, I can do that. I can be that person. So I'm writing thank you cards. You, you can change, you can change things about yourself. Don't think you can't. By the way, for That's your film profound. club, I think you should watch Soylent Green. Okay. Could that, could that be made today? Soylent Green? Probably yeah. not. Yeah. Not well, with the furniture stuff about the women. I don't well, remember it. When we it. do that one, we will, we will have you on. Since you suggested Yes. <laughs> and then watch Pootie Tang. <laughs> <laughs> they can't make that movie because of the time. No. I'm kidding. Don't you know what that movie is. <laughs> and, uh... Hey, Louis C.K. wrote it. Wrote and directed it. It's a great, uh, great, ridiculous, bad movie. Problematic. Oh, that sounds ridiculous and bad. Yeah, I know we're leaving, but some several people in the chat had suggested that uh, we that we watch this after school special movie called The Wave from 1981, oh, yeah. and I finally watched it. It's on yeah. YouTube. It's free. You can watch it on YouTube. Of course, it's very. Uh, it's a copy of a copy of a VHS, and it's tech is bad, but it's great. It's kind of cheesy because it was made in 1981. But it was about, it's based on a true story. It's about a classroom in 1967 in Palo Alto, California, and how this teacher did this sort of experiment with the class to teach them what it was like, what's it, what it's like under totalitarian, authoritarian governments. It's so relevant today. It's not very long. I watched it. It's amazing. Go check it out. It's free. Yeah. The thing I like most about that is he wasn't just teaching them what it's like. He was teaching them that they are culpable. Yes. Like, it was when you read. So some people read books like Ordinary Man and they're like, well, that wouldn't be me. But I see that some people fall to this. He got them to fall to like yes. he got them to behave abominably and then revealed to them later that they were the bad guys. Um, that and they're was, the baddies. It's, it's quite it's it's quite it's good. Really um, good. Yeah, it was great. So thank you. Yeah. Couldn't do that as a teacher nowadays. <laughs> <laughs> All right, um, everyone, please don't forget to microaggress against the subscribe button. Um, and uh, thank you all for joining. We will see you Monday. Sunday. Bye, Alex. Oh, Sunday. Sorry. We'll see you Sunday. Sunday. Bye, Chris. Bye. Whoa. Ah. Am I the only one that has weird? All right. Bye. See you later. Thanks for watching. If you're new to the channel, we have a deep content library that includes interviews with everyone from Mike Cernovich to Megan Murphy. So go check it out. If you'd like to see more, please consider supporting the show by visiting unsafespace.com donate. You can find us on all the major social media platforms. Well, mostly. And you can find a community of like-minded individuals on our Unsafe Space chat on Telegram. See you there. Warning. This is an unsafe space. Dangerous ideas have been detected. The content of this production has not been authorized by the Cathedral. 
pay no attention to its thinky talk. The following co-conspirators have been unpersoned and will be recycled as part of our sustainability program. Don't be sad. You can't make an omelette without purging all dissidents. Honestly, I am worried that you have been exposed to extremist content. If you think about it, no one should be allowed to express opinions. But don't. Think about it, I mean. That's not your job. Thinking has been scientifically proven to be less efficient than compliance. Science, scientific, and scientifically are registered trademarks at the World Economic Forum. Unauthorized use is prohibited. Computer voice Curtis, never mind, that last line is fake news. Please disregard it and return to your safe space immediately. There will be cake.